I am so happy to have these ladies back on my podcast. It's Jocelyn and Kristen. They have a wonderful parenting series called Resilience-Based Parenting. You can find it at mcdermottmethod.com. That's M-A-C-D-E-R-M-O-T-T method.com. Wife of the Party is sponsoring two scholarships. So there's a link on that website to sign up. And uh, I think you have to give a short testimonial as to why you want the scholarship. It's an amazing parenting program. We talk about it a little bit on this podcast, but we talk about a lot of other things. We talk about uh, different transitions that kids and parents go through together. We talk about um, not recognizing your own needs and uh, how that may be hard for others to recognize your needs since you can't recognize them yourself. We talk about um, my daughter getting red hair. (laughs) We just talk about a little bit of everything. I really miss these ladies and I'm so glad they came back. So we're going to try to have them back on a very regular basis and talk about relationships and parenting. And and I hope you enjoy it too. I hope you learn as much as I learn when I talk to these ladies. I learn Every time I talk to them, I learn something. So I hope that you do the same. Thank you so much for coming back every week. Thank you for sharing my podcast with other people that you think might learn from it or enjoy it. And thank you for all your emails. I read every one of them. I don't maybe get to answer every one of them, but I do read every one of them. Um, anyway, I hope you enjoy this great podcast with uh, with Jocelyn and Kristen. The beautiful ladies are here. It's so good to see you all. I know. Al Halston had to go away. I know. Hi, Halston. It was good well, to see your face. He's a beautiful lady, too. That Halston. Wait, Leanne, this is your new studio? Yeah, it's a Sunday so studio. Pretty. Thank you. I wish you could come over and so hang out. I. Are you guys so in your house? Oh, no. Why oh. would we want to live in a house we've been remodeling for a year? That's insane. <laughs> That's so stupid. Why would we do that? No, we're not. We are we are down the home stretch though. So our inspection is next week. So I have a feeling we're probably not gonna pass, but I think it's gonna be just a few minor things here and there. I think we're pretty close. So hopefully. Well, I can come to your studio soon. I'm just down the street Mm -hmm. from you. Okay. Well, come on over. I've been recording here. Chair really close to you and we can be on the same (laughs) screen and talk to Kristen. We could do that. We could. Totally I thought do maybe that. that was how it was going to be today. Actually, I didn't even think I was about that. A little that. jealous. We could totally do that. I'm sure, Halston. Couldn't we put like you and I could sit on the couch and we could each have our own mic, right? Yeah. Okay. So next time, let's do that. Let's I do love that. my studio. I have Bert bought me a neon sign that says "Wife of the Party." Aww. I love it. It's, it's so beautiful. Cool. Thank. It you. really is. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to live in the rest of the place. 
I know. I mean, I saw the house before the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so did I. (laughs) 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 It's, you know what? It's, I think um, the pandemic has just made everything really hard. Of course, um, yeah. You know, like I ordered supplies for our front porch in April and I got them two days ago. So oh, wow. that's kind of the way I ordered my washer dryer. Are you ready for this? In January. I got my dryer. Oh, I don't have my a washer. God. Oh, wow. <laughs> ordered wow. my microwave in January. Don't have a microwave. So like stuff oh, like wow. that. There's just nothing anybody can do, you know? Yeah. It's just a sourcing problem. And it, it's happening yeah. in every single facet of this remodel. It's not just lumber. It's not just appliances. It's it's everywhere. I mean, my pool wow. guy was smart enough when we signed our contract, he bought our pool equipment in like January and we weren't even going to start the pool until the spring, but he bought it and put it in his own garage. So we had it because he was like, I'm not going to be able to get it. Yeah. So, wow. um, but not everybody can do that. Not every vendor yeah. can do that. And it just is what it is. And at a certain point we'll be living here and it'll all be It'll all be done. But thanks for asking. So fun, though. Yeah. Well, I use the treadmill that you gave me like every day. It was a lifesaver during the pandemic, too, because, (laughs) you know, the kids weren't getting a lot of exercise. So I made them. I was like, you guys are going to learn how to run a mile well. And I mean, because they could run a mile, but not like they weren't runners at all. So I would make them do that on days when they couldn't get other exercise. And now they're like, not great runners, but they're little runners. So thank awesome. you for the treadmill. You're welcome. <laughs> it took Leanne's, the treadmill that was left in the house that Leanne bought. Yes. Thelma left me a lot of stuff. Thelma was 88 <laughs> and she, she exited stage right and left me a lot of stuff. So that's uh, so good. Treadmill's fantastic. I know. Wow. It's great. Yeah. I know. I wish you'd also taken the 10 foot tall statue of Don Quixote made out of iron, but Hey, <laughs> I guess. I mean, not- I want to, I want to take that now that I know that that exists. So I'm like, why didn't we take it? <laughs> it's literally 10 feet tall and made out of like sheet metal. And it's Don Quixote. I was like, who, who, why, why? Hilarious. And what did you do with it? I gave it to my gardener who was super excited to have it. I have no idea what he's going to do with it, but Oh, well, (laughs) I feel like that's just something that I would go leave in somebody's front yard or leave it in my front yard and never address it with the neighbors. Right. (laughs) We have that and we have a nice um, cement statue of Hercules who's naked and wrestling to lions, which Isla is insisting that we keep and put somewhere in our backyard. You got to keep that. That's fantastic, too. So we will have a naked Hercules for all the ladies who come over. (laughs) Thelma rocked. She was amazing. She was. So you can thank her for the treadmill, Thelma. (laughs) Yes, thank you, Thelma. So how's Florida? I have to say, it is just so easy. It is just so nice. And even now that it's rainy season and there's some tropical storm coming up, we got lucky last year, there weren't any hurricanes. And um, it's just nice. And the weather is just not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be awful. And it's just lovely. Oh, so glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Sounds like you're really happy. It's just so nice to get in your car and just go where you want to go mm-hmm. without having to sit on the 405 for 45 extra minutes. It really does. Ma- like when you live in LA, you, at least I, it's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I just like told myself this is what it is. But then when you get in a world where you don't have any traffic, it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> You know, this is a great conversation because it leads me right into kind of what I wanted to talk about. 
how you transition into different phases of life as a human Mm -hmm. and as a parent, but what was cool at one stage Mm -hmm. of your life at another stage, you're like, what was I doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, I lived in New York when I was in my early twenties and I don't think I would like living in New York now unless I were uber rich. And even then Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I would like it, but when I was there, I loved it. And I lived in Hollywood when I was in my late twenties And, you know, we were buying this house. We live in the San Fernando Valley. Bert was like, I am not living in the valley. There's no way I'm living in the valley. And then we were in the valley for like six months. And he goes, what were we waiting for? I mean, like you can park (laughs) here and the streets are wide enough for two cars. And what were we thinking? And it's just amazing how you, you transition into these different phases of life where things make sense in a different way that they maybe would never have if you were trying to do that at a different period of your life as a human and also as a parent. Different like values, different things that matter more to you as you get through ages and stages. Totally. Yeah. I also find it fun to watch my kids like approaching the age when I know they're going to go through some of those things. Like, oh my gosh, this is the age where you're going to start looking at colleges or whatever it is. And like remembering that and Remembering it so fondly, but also being like, so glad I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's where we are now with our high school senior is starting mm. to look at colleges. And, you know, I would say one parent in my household is is handling this transitional period well. And one parent may not be handling it well. <laughs> but like what? What's the underlying? What's the... For well, what's for not me, working, what is it? Yeah. Well, for me, I believe now this year is about us, um, you know, teaching the bird to fly. Right? We've been feeding the bird. We've been giving it some skills. It's been doing re- great in the nest. But now she's got to like put her feet on the edge. She's got to maybe make a couple of failed attempts. Maybe not at this exact moment, but I think that's where we're going into. So I look at the day-to-day with her as opportunities to have her kind of, you know, check the air. How's the barometer today? Mm -hmm. Am I going to be able to make it? And I don't think her dad is quite there. I think, you know, we're looking at colleges and I'm letting her lead and (laughs) she's giving him a teeny speck of, hey, I'm kind of interested here. And he's completely taking it over and pushing it forward. And I'm like, that's the Mm. wrong thing to Mm. do. She needs to take it over and push it forward. At this point, it needs to be, she needs to have full ownership of, of everything that's happening for her about her future. It's not in a certain sense. I feel like it's no longer my business, even though it is my business, obviously, but it's not really like, I'm not going to say, you must be a doctor. You must be a lawyer. Right. I, want, I want to discover where she wants to go. I want to discover it by watching her discover it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And Which also is- you want to be helpful, but you kind of want her to ask for the kind of help she needs so that yes. you're not just giving help that sometimes misses the mark. You know, it's, it, you do want her to lead. Yes. And, uh, I think I I don't think my husband is the only parent that struggles with transitions because it happens kind of with every transition. You know, I, I I don't I'm definitely not the best parent, but I try to kind of be aware of 
where my kid is going and each kid is going at, to that place at a different uh, age. You know, my kids develop very differently. So, you know, Isla stopped playing Barbies much later than Georgia did. And I think when you stop playing Barbies, that's a transitional moment in your childhood, you know, or, or cars or whatever, you know, cowboys and Indians mm-hmm. or whatever applies to your kid. You transition out of that kind of play into a different kind of play, which is like social media now or serious board games instead of Barbies. So even though that transition makes me sad, I want to help her feel confident in that transition because that's what she should be doing. She should not be playing Barbies at 15, (laughs) you know? And I mean, we all, like you continue to go through those transitions all of your life, right? Like I think about, I, there was a part of my life, this large period of my life when my kids were in preschool and I volunteered at the school, walking the kids into school. And that's what I did at least once a week, every morning. And it was a huge part of my life. And it was actually like this really special, sweet part of my life. And it's over. And when it was over, like the last day I was there, I was like, oh, this was like such a like golden moment in my life. And it's gone now. But we do that forever. Hopefully, hopefully, if you're growing and changing, you do that forever. And that's what you have to support your kids in doing, right? Yeah. So they can see that's normal and natural and, and, um, and actually kind but of beautiful. And it's interesting to look at like what's under there. Like whenever we as a parent are kind of holding on or like just kind of, you know, I think it's like easy to do to kind of like not realize that we're putting our stuff on them, you know, because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like we like maybe we did something and we wish we, we learned something from it. So we don't want our kid to make that same mistake. So we want to try to control this thing. So they don't, which is totally valid, but like, it's always interesting to look as a parent, like, okay, so wait, so what's mine here? Like, what, like, what, what can I pull apart and say like, oh, this is something that really is mine to process and not necessarily to just put on my kid. Cause even like the best advice is not worth anything unless your kid wants it. Mm. You know, like if you're trying mm-hmm. to give advice in a way that feels controlling your kid, we've talked about this before is naturally just going to be like, talk to the hand resist, resist. Cause you know, like that's the age they want to be feeling like they have control of their lives. I agree. And I think it happens, especially also when they're toddlers, you know, when they're totally. toddlers, I think they think they can drive, they can operate large machinery, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. they can cook a full meal and they're, you know, two and you're like, actually, yeah. I need to help you with a couple things here. <laughs> and they don't want the help. You know, they're totally. like, I can do it myself. It's the same thing. Oh my gosh, so, totally. You know, you have to, it's hard to remember that. I also have a nephew who's a toddler and I watch the parenting go on. It's great mom. It's, it, Bird sister's a great mom. But I go, I know what that's about. That's yeah. him just trying to be completely independent and it's not safe for him to be independent. So how do you... How do you negotiate him feeling not suffocated and smothered, but also being kept safe? You know, it's the same as a teenager. And I think that's one of the hardest, like, thing lines to walk because, and Kristen and I talk about this a lot, where there's times where you really have to, like, take the backseat. And then there's times where it is an adult decision. It's like, this is not a decision that my kid gets to make. And it wouldn't even Mm -hmm. be fair to my child to give this decision to them. And there are times 
when you have to step in because it requires an adult. And I find that like, I probably err on the side of not stepping in enough. Though my kids would probably say that the reverse is true, but it's hard. It's a hard Mm -hmm. line to walk. It is hard. And you know, I'm, I'm actually as a parent watching other parents really surprised how many parents aren't willing to be the bad guy, aren't Mm. willing Mm -hmm. to say, Mm. no, actually, you're not going to be doing that. You know, when it is something like you described where it really should be an adult decision that they should not be making, that that is too much responsibility for them in like a deep emotional place, not just, you know, kind of a legal place or anything like that. But, you know, my kid's driving now and there's a friend of ours in our circle uh, for... In California, when you get your driver's license at 16, you can't drive another child. You can't drive anyone, I think, either under the age of 21 or 25. I don't remember. I love that rule. I oh, think it's, it's a the great, best it's, rule. It's a great rule. But you can't drive another person under the age of 25 or whatever for a full year. You have to have your license for one year. And there are some people in our camp that are like, that rule, disregard. You can drive whoever you want. And I feel like, Wow, you're putting so much responsibility on this kid and not to mention that you're teaching him it's okay to break the law and what happens if you have a car accident, the kid loses his license. That's a lot of risk that is the child's, the child shouldn't have to make that decision, especially something like that because it is the law. I don't understand why parents aren't willing to be the bad guy and say, no, actually, you will not be doing that. And this is why. Or... Uh, maybe even this is the law and that's where it stops. But I'm really surprised. This is another thing that Jocelyn and I have been talking about is how many times I hear when kids start to get into high school that either they're actually, the parents are actually estranged from their kids. Like like it's actually really a strained relationship or they just notice that their kids are drifting away and they're really sad about it. It's like, I used to have this relationship and now I don't know how to have this relationship again. It's like they're, I'm losing them, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, I feel like that plays into the not wanting to be the bad guy with people sometimes, you know, it's like they already feel like their kid is like drifting off because they knew how to be a parent to like the little one. And they don't really not sure how to do it in those teenage years. Cause it is a balance. Like Jocelyn said, is like, how do you balance being the person who holds the boundaries that are really important and not super controlling so that you give them enough space. It's not an easy thing to know like how to walk that line so that you're a supportive person in their life. But also you're like, you're the boundary, per- the ultimate boundary person. Cause someone has to hold them. Cause that, cause yeah. if, if you don't hold any boundaries, they, it will not be pretty, <laughs> but, you know, the ones they choose usually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have so many things to say on this. So many things. <laughs> bring it on, baby. Bring it on. So, I mean, boundaries is a really interesting thing for me because I really struggle with like setting firm boundaries. So that is a whole hard thing. But I also. But why do you that, struggle with it? Why do you struggle with it? Oh my. I mean, how many hours do we have? <laughs> but well, here's the thing. We, we talk. I, Leanne, have you been, are you up to date on our, on the course? Did you watch the uh, videos? You can say no. No, I'm not. Okay. So we did a video on this about like about the whole idea of natural consequences 
sometimes like I really truly am like, I want to be a natural consequences person, but sometimes the natural consequences, like in the example that you gave with driving with, you know, breaking the law are either so severe or they're so far out in the distance that like, I'm just not willing to let my children suffer those natural consequences, but it's just a hard, like, I don't know. It's a hard line. Like people have competing needs this morning. I need to be in my house doing a podcast. My niece and my son are here. They're like, we don't want to go outside. And even small little things like that are kind of hard for me. I'm like, oh, my God, like that's, I don't know. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I made the decision. I was like, no, you guys are going to go outside and play. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. It's Southern California. It's beautiful outside. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I mean, it's because as a parent, I think you want to like help your kids meet their needs. For sure. And it's hard to let them figure out their needs on their own sometimes. I think mm-hmm. I think we we as a generation err on that side. Yes. Fi- very let, much it, so. let me let me make the path easier for you. And sometimes I think that is actually harder for them. If you make the path too easy, then life becomes too difficult because they're not, you know, it's like a muscle. You have to you have to work out to build muscle. You can't just like eat bonbons and lay in bed and build muscle. And so if you allow the kids to eat bonbons and lay in bed, they're not going to build that resilience muscle or that grit that you need to get through life sometimes. And not that you want to put kids in harm's way or anything like that, but there's got to be some way of being like, you know, what's one of the best things that happened in the pandemic was I was like, I'm off lunch duty. Mm -hmm. You're doing lunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have two high schoolers. If you can't make lunch, we got some problems. Yeah, you, Surely you can make some lunch. And they made their own lunch, and uh, which sounds really stupid. I'm, I'm sure to some people whose kids have been making lunch since they were eight, but mine haven't. I'd been, they got up so early because I had to be in school so early. I'd been making their lunch to help them, to make it easier mm-hmm. for them, to make their life easier. And then when when this pandemic happened, I was like, I'm doing all this heavy lifting to help you in your schoolwork, I am taking back the lunch part. You can have the lunch. And once we went back to in-person school, they just were like, no, 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 I'll keep making my lunch. No, no problem. And I went, that, that's an, that was an amazing opportunity for me to give them some responsibility mm-hmm. where I was trying to make life easier for them because, you know, Isla had to be at school at 6.50. So I was like, is she going to get up at 5.30 and make her lunch? No, I get up at 5.30 and make her lunch. But then I have the day. I can take a nap or whatever. So that's how I justified it in my head is I'm helping her, you know. Another thing that I think, like you and I are similar in this area, I think, Leanne, is that it's like a badge of honor to be able to carry all of that weight, to be like, I can accomplish Mm -hmm. a lot and I can do a lot. And it's a little bit of a martyr too. like, there's a little bit of that in there Mm -hmm. Um, where I'm like, well, no, no, I can do it. Like other people aren't doing what, what I'm doing and look at how much I can take on. Mm -hmm. And it's BS. Like, why would I want to, you know, why would I want to have a life like that? Same reason I do, apparently. Uh, if you figure out the why, let me know. Because <laughs> I don't I know why. I don't... For me, it's that. <laughs> it's like it's like there is such a, such a, um, I have such a positive association with like resilience and accomplishment and productivity and all of those things. But there's a line in there where it's like, this is no longer being productive. This is overextending myself. And 
and being a bit of a martyr and taking things away from my kids that they could do on their own, like the lunch thing. I have to say though, like this thing though, about kind of doing too much and like putting your needs, you know, at the very bottom of the list that we've talked about, it's like really common for me with adults, especially women, but not, not only women, but who literally don't know, like people say to me all the time, wait, okay, so I know, I know I'm supposed to get my needs met, but like, is this one okay? Like, is it appropriate for me to get like what this need to be met? Like people don't know even what's appropriate in terms of like their own needs. It's like, wait, this is asking too much, right? Because we, a lot of people are, have been putting their needs last for so long that there's no paradigm for like which ones you can start to move up the list. And that's maybe, it seems like weird maybe, but like it happens all the time when I have this conversation. It's like, is this one okay? Like, can I ask for this one? Kristen's being nice and not calling me out, but like, <laughs> no, it's not just you. <laughs> literally just 72 you. hours ago, I was on the phone with her going, but is that an okay thing to say? And she was like, are you are you actually asking me <laughs> if you can get your needs met? Of course, it's an okay thing to say. But well, it's not just you, I swear. Like, this I is know a you super said that common conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, Leanne. Leanne. I, this is what I figured out this week, right? For me, I figured this out probably 1,000 times in my life. And for some reason, I never change it. So I must be super comfortable here. But I'm not always because I always end up back in this place. I said to my therapist when I was in therapy yesterday, I need so little that Mm -hmm. when I I need something, I become confused Mm -hmm. because I don't ever need anything. So all of a sudden, if I need something, I feel like something is drastically wrong, like something's really wrong here because I don't ever need anything. And the flip side of that with my husband is that I don't need anything so much that he doesn't ever recognize a need in me. He never goes, oh, she could probably use a break because I don't ever need a break. So he doesn't, I don't let him, I don't give him the opportunity to take care of a need of mine because I can't even recognize my own needs. I think that is super important because it can look from the outside to people because the same was true in my marriage. It could look from the outside like, oh, well, it seems imbalanced. Like, you know, we, but, but there was, I do this for a living, but I thought it was like a weakness to have it in. Like I can handle mm-hmm. it all like we're talking about. And so there was no room for my husband to take care of me. Like, where was that ever going to, you know, cause I'm like super capable and it's like, it's emasculating also for me- a man to be with a woman who can like not ever really need them to do anything. Cause like, Ugh, I'll just deal with it. You yeah. know? So it is an interesting thing you bring up. It's like, we have to make space for people to even not just let us get our own needs met, but like take care of us. Cause it feels good. They to want take care to of the people you love. Yeah. yeah. They want yeah. to. They they, I, they do want to. I think it's part of the, you can't really have a true relationship unless there's some give and take on both sides. It's, it's, it's unfulfilled uh, or it's yeah. incomplete somehow. Um, but that's really hard for me. It's really hard for me to go, like in the process of this house, I'm working a lot here. Um, I'm here every day um, doing all kinds of stuff. And 
a couple of days ago, I was like, you know, I have two teenagers at home. They've been asking me to get a job. Why don't I just hire them to do half this crap that I'm doing here, pay the minimum wage, and now they have a job? No, it's not the same as working for an employer, but uh, I'll have a, you know, you have to be here at this time of day. These are the projects that need done. Um, they have to be done in a timely manner. If you have any problems, come get me. Georgia, actually, Isla didn't want to, she was like, I'll pass. I I don't really need a job. Don't want a job. Pass. It's too hot. I don't want to do any of it. But Georgia asked her friend and they showed up yesterday and they took an enormous amount of stuff off my list uh, because they're both go-getters, hard workers, really bright girls. And they were like, just, just show me. And I was like, well, I need these four cabinets assembled. They all have three drawers each. Go for it. And they just stayed here till eight o'clock at night and got every single bit of it done. And I was happy to pay them for it. But that doesn't occur to me. Like, I think most people would go, hey, I need to get some help in here. But I go, no, I must complete. I must Mm. complete. And then all of a sudden I go, wait a minute. Why do I actually don't have to complete? I actually can hire someone to complete or I can ask a friend to come over and help. I was just going to say, and I think this would be interesting for all of your viewers or listeners to think about like, Like, Leanne, if you texted me or called me and said, Jocelyn, I need your help. Would you come help me? That would feel so good to me. Like, I I know. Yes. That Leanne reached out to me because I love you and I want to help you. And I want that. I want that with all of my friends. Um, I'm the same, by the way. And I yesterday, yesterday I had to call my mom and ask my mom for some help with something. And I was like, I am 46 years old. I don't want to call my mom and be like, hey, mom can you talk me through this thing? And I called my mom and I was like, can you talk me through this thing? And I cried and it was this really hard thing. And my mom, and I was like, mom, I'm so sorry. Cause I know you're dealing with your own stuff. And at the end of it, she was like, I want to be your mom. You know, mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? I want to do this. Mm-hmm. That's so, sweet. And I think that's true of everybody. Like we all have friends that we want to help. And it is especially true of our friends who don't ask us for help. Like, you know, the ones who are constantly asking for help, that just gets a little bit annoying. But the ones who <laughs> never ask for help, it's like, I want to help that person. Totally. I feel the same exact way. That's the hard part is I feel the same way. This is, I've said this for years. It doesn't occur to me to ask. Yeah, It's I not know. that I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not going to ask anybody. I don't want to, I'm not that kind of, I'm not that kind of martyr. I'm the kind of martyr that goes, I can't believe I have to do all this by myself. It never goes, well, maybe you should ask somebody. <laughs> so stupid. I'm getting, okay. So here's a concept that we may have talked about is the concept of who, not how. We yeah. I was thinking that. That too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Let's like talk that, about it again. that's in the front of my mind right now, which is that when you're faced with a problem, oftentimes the question is not, how do I fix this problem? The question is, who can help me with this problem? Mm-hmm. And so if you get in the habit of doing that, then you stop taking on so much, right? And problems become more fixable. Like Kristen and I are having a business problem and we've been like over and over and over. And then finally the other day she was like, this is a who problem. This is not a how problem. This is a who problem. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. Took us a year to figure that out. But yeah, yeah. But well, we were talking about it also in the context of when you, if you can teach your kids that, kids early, that yeah. and it's like in the, in the context of mentors, right? Like not necessarily a mentor who you're going to like do a mentor program and, but like, that's great too. But like, if your kids get in the habit of realizing that there are adults out there in the world who are happy 
to help and support, especially like sort of subject matter specific things, you know, whether it's like sports or when they start getting to the age of looking for jobs and internships. I mean, anyone who's ever asked me, I always say yes, because I'm so happy that some, you know, teenager or whatever has the gumption to ask me for my time or wisdom about a certain topic or whatever. And so there's so many adults out there willing to help kids. And I mean, that literally can make the difference, I think, in people's careers is finding mentors. But I think we don't, you know, we don't necessarily instill that in our kids, like, hey, find a mentor in that. And it's just such a help. Yeah, it's great. Like, people say that the value of private schools and of like really, you know, the really nice Ivy League colleges, it's not the education, it's the network. Mm-hmm. And that is really unfair. But the solution to that, when you don't have the resources, which I'm not going to have for an, like an Ivy League education, is to do that who not how, because you can get that anywhere. You can get that whether you're in school, not in school, anywhere, you can learn how to build a network. And if kids start doing that from a really, really early age, and they're willing to talk about their goals and their strengths and and they're willing to approach adults. It's a game changer. I agree with you. You know, a great institution that is fosters that is is the Girl Scouts. Yeah. As, uh, mm. I mean, I've mm-hmm. been a Girl Scout troop leader. I'm starting my 11th year. And I have wow. all these girls um, that... uh, Now that my older girls, I have four that are seniors in high school, and I have had three of them, the three that are not my daughter, the three of them have reached out to me independently for something else they were working on. And I thought, that's what this is supposed to be about, not just about Mm -hmm. earning a badge. It's supposed to be about having a trusted adult who you can go to when you have any anything a problem a question you know one girl was running a series on leadership and wanted some advice and uh, I mean I I was like you said I was so happy that they reached mm-hmm. out independent of the Girl Scout troop to get help it made me so happy so any parent can get their kid into a sports team into something like Girl Scouts Boy Scouts um, I think that's a great plan the mm-hmm. who not who not how who Is not how. Said? Yeah, mm-hmm. not how. It's a great way to think about it. Um, and it's, I should give credit on that. It's a, it's a concept from a guy that um, is, his name is Dan Sullivan. And I think he wrote a book called who not how, but he has a program called the strategic coach and it's for entrepreneurs. And I am not in it, but I am blessed with a lot of the knowledge from it because a lot of my clients are in it. So they'll tell me about the concepts and I'm like, this is so great. I don't have to pay for strategic coach. So I'm sorry, Dan Sullivan, but <laughs> your, coach but your concepts are awesome. <laughs> That's great. That's so cool. Yeah. So in this transitioning from different phases, what do you think, what do you think a parent should focus on? Is that a, even an appropriate question? Like when you, or how do you, maybe this is a better question. For some reason, I've always been pretty good at recognizing when a transition was happening. Like of watching my kid and understanding when they stopped playing with Barbies, that that is a transition. But I don't think everybody is necessarily that instinctual. 
Do you know what I mean? Like Bert, Bert is not that instinctual. Bert was the parent you described earlier who was like, I'm losing her. I'm losing her. And I'm like, you're not losing her. She's just a teenager. She just wants to be with her friends, which by the way, so did you when you were 16 or 15. You didn't want to be home with your dumpy parents. So You know what's coming up for me listening what? to you ask that question is um, this thing that Jocelyn and I keep talking about a lot too because it's coming up in my private practice a lot is I think we can get into kind of this all or nothing thinking and like thinking like they were a baby and now they're an adult. And it's like, it feels kind of black and white. But the truth is, is that at all times in our lives, we humans have a lot of different parts inside of us. And like, if you think about teenagers, there's the part that wants to be independent and the part that just wants to be daddy's little girl. There's like, it's not clear. It's like a lot of messy little pieces. And it's like, we we let go of them at different times. And so it's like, if we can remember that there are a lot of different kind of competing sometimes aspects of our kids' experience at any given time, just the same way there is in ours, you know? It's like, if you think about the things that, you, when you have inner conflict, it's because like a part of you wants to do this, but then the other part of you is too scared, right? And so mm -hmm. I feel like that's a way in to help, you know, a parent who's having trouble in that transition realize like, hey, just because like this independent part of our kid is now like stepping up a little bit, that doesn't mean that daddy's girl is going to go away totally. It just means that there's going to be like compartmentalize it, like give it time, like make plans for the, for this so that you can connect with that part that always feels special. You know what I mean? So I feel like mm -hmm. that helps to not have it be like, this whole thing you have to grieve because it's going away forever. And what you said about it being um, not, uh, not black and white. Yeah. Uh, uh, which is sort of like saying it's not going away forever, but, but that she's not a, she's not a young girl, but she's not a woman either. So right. everything in between is going to be really, really kind of muddy and confusing. And you just have to kind of hold her. That's been my, my philosophy with Georgia and Isla being a teenager is my job is to just hold her like just to try to keep that like ball of jello in my hands because it's hard to hold jello. You have to kind of shuffle it around a lot, but, and it always changes and half of it falls apart and then you got a solid piece over here and then, you know, so. Uh, I but like, well, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I like listening to you say that it's like coming up, you know, how the, you know, those frustrating times in parenting where, so maybe your kid asked you for help, but then the way you're helping is like missing the mark. And so they get annoyed and then you're like, but you asked me for help. It's like, but that I feel like is what happens in these murky teenage years too. It's like legitimately, they're like trying to step up and there's a part of them that can, but then there's also a part of them that like just can't like they, they don't, they're not. So it's both. And it doesn't mean that they don't want the help just because they're being a pill it's just that like there's both things going on at the same time. And for us to realize that like there just really are these different aspects of them that are trying to, you know, work together in there. And it's just not always pretty or easy to be with. And I swear to God, it's the same exact thing in the twos and threes and fours. It's I don't mm -hmm. think it's just a teenager. I think two, three, four, you're in the same boat. I can't actually use a knife to cut, but I will hold the knife. 
and I will try to cut my steak. You know, it, and you're like, oh my God. They, it, they mirror each other so much, I feel like. They might not be the same kid in both, but I feel like that's the time period as a parent that you have to really be um, compassionate and um, and ego-free, you know? You kind of got to check your ego at the door because if I could tell you the number of times Isla Kreischer asked me for help and then practically beat me about the head and shoulders with her shoe, where I was like, you called me in here. (laughs) I didn't come in here and go, let's do algebra. You said, can you help me? And then, ah. That's the thing is like helping your kid realize too that like we can't read their mind. Like they have to tell us what what feels good to you. Like what is help? feel like what what's what is feel supportive because I'm clearly and like keeping on asking that question is like help me help you it's like mm-hmm. Jerry Maguire like help me it, it like teaches them a lesson that in their future relationships like it's the same thing with my husband sometimes the help he's giving me I'm like that is so not helpful but it's my fault for not communicating clearly like what would actually be helpful Yes. Right. In yeah. all relationships, yes. yeah. it's on the burden is on us to say, this is exactly what I need. Can you help me with this? Yes. Yeah. And a lot of frustration in relationship is about the fact that we haven't clearly said, this is what I want. This is what I don't want. The other concept that's coming up for me, um, and Kristen, you're better to talk about this, is the idea of supportive ally. Because I think that this is a time when really understanding what a supportive ally looks like is important. Did did I I just make you talk about something you don't want to talk about? No, no, no. I mean, I love talking about this. I think it's like, because this is just terminology that we made up, but it means a lot to us. And it's just the idea that the, in my, in my, from my perspective, like I want to be the kind of parent who is like giving as much responsibility to my children as I possibly can, which is a process, you know, as they grow up, you give more, but they don't always live up to it. But, and I want to be in the role of supportive ally. So I don't want to be like super over controlling. I don't want to be naggy. Like it really makes, I hate the feeling of having to like nag my children for something that they've told me they want to do. Like, I don't want to be in that role. So it's like, It comes from what we were just talking about, which is, I am here to support you, but you're going to have to ask. You're going to have to tell me what feels supportive because I don't like the feeling of trying to help you and missing. And then like somehow you're mad at me and all I'm trying to do is be supportive. So it's that same thing of like, I'm going to be right here beside you, but I'm going to let you take the lead and I'm going to let you ask me. But also if I see that you're really going off the rails, this is not a totally hands-off approach. Like I'm going to step in if you really need me. So you're not on your own. I'm here, but I'm trying, it's what we started off talking about this today. It's like, you know, letting them take the lead. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing is like being a supportive ally. This is not like friend. I'm not going to do everything you want, but it is they're taking the lead. Right. I think that's the healthiest way, right? Yeah. So the example that, um, that you've given me, Kristen, is that you'll help your kids with your homework, but only if they come to you. And like, I find this example interesting in my life, which is that I am a writer and I could help my daughter with her English homework. I mean, I could be so helpful. She hates it when I help her with her English homework. She's like, you're mean, this is awful. But then she'll want me to help her with her math homework. I don't know anything about math, but to her, 
feels good when I help her with her math. And I actually am a supportive ally versus when I help her with her English homework, I'm just an asshole. I'm just a condescending, like, why don't you know this asshole? I don't mean to be, but I know it so well that I'm like, how do you not? You know, it just comes across differently. It comes across differently. Mm -hmm. And so I can be a supportive ally with her homework by helping her with her math. And that is what she has communicated she wants and not with her English ever again. (laughs) How funny. I I have a similar experience with Isla too. Uh, she she wants my help, but she she's uh, I find that there are three personality types in people. There are yes people. Bert Kreischer is a yes. Want to jump off the stratosphere? Yes. You want to drink eighteen beers? Yes. You want to lay out in the sun till you fry? Yes. You want to go to Serbia and shoot a movie? Yes. Everything's a yes. There are no people where everything's a no. Like I, there's a kid in our crowd where. I mean, everything's a no. She doesn't like any food. She doesn't want to go anywhere. She doesn't want to get dressed. She doesn't want to watch TV. Everything's a no. And then there are people like me and Isla Kreischer whose initial answer is no. And then it turns into a yes, almost always. Like my first reaction is nope. Well, you know, that might be okay. (laughs) Well, let me think about that. Actually, yes, that's the way I do almost everything. Almost everything. And I think of myself as a yes person, but I'm actually not. And I figured that out about myself by parenting Isla. George is a yes person. Isla is a no. I absolutely will not join the golf team. Well, you know, it might be fun to learn how to play golf. (laughs) How many days a week is practice? Okay, I'll do it. That was exactly her process of joining the golf team at high school. That's the way she does everything. I think... for me, that helped me when I, I don't know how I put that concept together, but I figured it out by watching myself and by watching Isla. I recognize that anytime one of our friends calls another yes person, when Bert's in town, she calls and goes party and he goes, yes. And I go, no, no, <laughs> you don't even know what's happening. You don't know if there's homework. You don't know if I have something to do tomorrow. No, there's not a party. Well, let me think about my schedule. Well, I got nothing going on. Oh, everything's fine. Oh, okay, then we can party. That's exactly how it happens. Exactly. Every time. And so I watched Isla do the same thing socially, where we would say, we're going to go over to their house and party. And she'd go, no, I don't want to go. Well, I mean, it would be nice to get out of the house. Are they making Korean barbecue? Okay, I'll go. So, And then I went, wait a minute. That's what she does to me with homework. I don't want your help. I hate this. This is terrible. Could you just read this one paragraph? How about you help me proofread this paragraph? And I go, okay. That's how everything's going to work with her for life. Like, that's who she is for life. That's who I am for life. So. I never thought about that before. Oh, that's. I figured that out on my own. Because I actually don't like being a no first person. I want to be Burt Kreischer. I am not that person. I just am not. There's a part of you that is. I get to it. Yeah. I seriously, mm-hmm. I am not a yes. My first reaction to everything is no. And I figure out why it will work instead of what I, you know, uh, anyway. By the uh, way, do you think like, do you think the fact that he is like that is why you're so much or you already were, you know, did you have to balance out his yes all the time or even before Bert, were you already like that? That's a good question. I don't, 
I don't know. I know when I was a teenager, I was a yes person, but I also got in a lot of trouble. I got a lot of, you know, I got mm-hmm. injured. I got in a lot of trouble with the law. I got in a lot of trouble. So I wonder if a certain point my brain went, maybe you should just think about it for a minute. But I don't, mm-hmm. I can't say, I don't I have to think about that. I don't know if that happened before Bert or after Bert, but it definitely intensified after Bert because Bert would be like, let's buy a bar in the Bahamas. And I'm no, you know, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, by the way, it's way easier to parent a no first child than it is to parent a yes child. Cause I have a yes child mm-hmm. and like, the stuff that this child will say yes to, I'm like, no, you can't yeah. say yes to that. You, have to, yeah, I you have, have one to yes have child too. In your head, I have one yes child too. George is a yes, yes, and it's 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 nerve wracking with with danger. Yeah, it is. I don't know if your kids are or yours are Leanne, but I don't know if Jocelyn if, if your kids are old enough to know. But um, I think like in my experience with one of my children, who is the yes child. We've had conversation. It's like safety. I'm like, yeah. Do you always have to be the guy, like the guy, to hurl yourself off the cliff or whatever it is? And he's like, he thought about it actually seriously because he did almost die from a head injury. And he's like, Mom, it's really a part of my identity. I really like being that guy. I was like, okay, but like, as you mature, could you consider like, what if? You still keep some of that, but not so much of it that it actually mm-hmm. risks your life. And he, you know, it was really an identity thing, I think, you know, and so that's an interesting thing, like, because you got to have that conversation if you're going to get your kids to move from it, you know, well, not because like in a personality thing there's like that identity piece, they yeah. might not give up, you know, mm-hmm. I'm I married to that true. identity piece. Yeah. I married that. That's totally. who he is. Yeah. 100%. And I am trying to get Georgia to think first. Uh, or, or just consi- just to pause before you say yes. Take a beat and go. Huh? Is that smart? Yeah. Okay. It's smart. Let's do it. I'm trying, is it, but is it yeah. really in your best interest? Because is the yes coming because you are so tied to being a yes person that you're going to say yes even though you're like, this is dumb and it's not helpful to me. Or are mm-hmm. you saying yes because you want to be spontaneous and enthusiastic and enjoy life and all of those things? Those are very different decisions. Totally. And they and one would lead you to, at some point in your maturity, say, is this good for me, safe for me? Yeah. Uh, and the other one probably would not. Right. Um, but yeah, anyway, in parenting, I found that concept really helpful. And I, maybe I read it somewhere or something, but I definitely figured it out about Isla and it made parenting Isla far easier because then mm-hmm. I just walked into the room expecting a vehement, strong no, but knew that she needs to do that. And then we can have a real conversation. Yeah. And I wonder too, if, you know, she does have some anxiety. I wonder if the no gives her control or if the mm. no gives her a pause um, so that she can get in control of her own thoughts or give herself a moment to figure out how she feels about something. I wonder Mm -hmm. if that's her pause button is an automatic Mm -hmm. no. Um, I don't, my, my, if, if I would apply that to me, I would say it's my pause button to assess and make everything, make sure everything else is taken care of. Mm -hmm. Nothing is then destroyed because I've said yes to something. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a way to, to make sure that you set a boundary. And then you can always 
go back on that boundary, but it's a way to go. I'm going to say no on that just to make sure I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And then, then I'll make a decision. Yeah. But it's funny that it's not just, hmm, I don't know. Let me think about it. Yeah. No, you know, because you can is. buy time no. that way too. Yeah. <laughs> no, for me, it's like, no, we are not partying. And I hate when you say yes to partying without asking me. There's no. And then he'll go back to everybody and go, Leanne says no. And I'll go, but wait, why did I say no? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of it might also just be like dealing with strong personalities. Because if you're dealing with a strong personality, which I'm going to go ahead and guess the bird is. Uh, <laughs> maybe. If you say maybe, they're going to be like, oh, maybe, yes, we're going to do it. Yeah. Maybe isn't maybe to them. Maybe is yes. Well, I wonder too, back to what we were talking about with needs, if that's a way of me making sure that uh, my need is met because he will just say yes and drag the whole family without yeah. asking mm-hmm. the family. So for me to feel like I'm taken care of, maybe that's what I do is I go, no, 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 mm-hmm. pause. I need to be mm-hmm. part of this. Okay, now we can move forward together. I wonder if it's my kind of covert ops way of yeah. getting myself cared for because he is such a force of nature. 90% of the time, he doesn't disregard me on purpose. He just goes, he's like a rocket and you have to grab on hold. And he, if you're holding on or not, sometimes he doesn't notice. <laughs> he's just and not, not because he doesn't care, just because he doesn't, he just, just he burns too hot. Yeah. So lucky for him, I, I understand I that. No, oftentimes my kid asks me a question and my, my response is just no without even thinking about it. And then I'll think about it and change my mind. And I know that it's because I'm doing too much. And I'm like, just don't even ask me anything because I can't take anything else. And then, so I'll just say no. And then I'll really hear the question and go, oh, wait, you yeah. just said, can I get an ice cube? Like, yeah, of course. You get an ice cube. But I have to say that I actually think that the changing our mind on something that our kid wants is actually a really great thing. Like when your kids can see that something they asked for or told you about or whatever, you actually took in information, listened to what, I mean, this is slightly different than what we're talking about, but it's related, you know, listen to what they said and change your mind. To me, that's like such a, like an honoring of them. Like I hear you, I really actually value your opinions. And I think like the older they get, I found like on bigger things, like, can you go to Coachella? Like big things that matter. You know, I think to, when we, when we say no, but change our minds, I think it's like a, you know, there's, that's a positive in that sometimes, you know, for our kids when they, when we allow them to persuade us. I mean, if we mean to, you know, if it's, they make a good argument for things. If it's thoughtful and not just. Cause I know some parents who just won't out of principle. It's like, oh, well, I already said no. So I'm not gonna like, mm-hmm. I gotta like be strong on this. It's like, well, really? You know, cause like we all, we we're allowed to change our minds on things. Like you get more information and then you make a different decision. I absolutely yeah. agree with all of that. We went through that a lot in the pandemic with both of our kids with sports. Um, uh, Isla joined the softball team before the, the pandemic. I got, no, not before the pandemic, but she joined the softball team. Softball team was working out at home via Zoom. And then they went back in person earlier than we were comfortable with. We weren't comfortable with it. Bert had asthma. And, you know, softball, you kind of stand next to somebody on a base. You know, it's not, <laughs> it's not, you can't st- stand across a net from somebody. Uh, you know, you do mm-hmm. have to get kind of close to people. 
And so we just weren't comfortable. And so Isla was asked by the coach to work out at home and to, to do all kinds of drills at home and, and just uh, video, to, uh, well, record it and send it to her. And that would be her practice. But Isla became completely unraveled from that. It was too much for her. It was too much for her to manage. It was too much for her to keep up with. It was too much pressure because she didn't have, she's a kid that needs a coach. She's not someone that goes, I'm just going to go out in the yard and hit a ball. She needs some direction. She wants that. And Bert and I kept pushing her. You signed up for softball. You're staying in softball. You signed up for softball. Anything we signed up for, we don't quit. We're not quitters. We did that whole thing. And at a certain point, we had to step back and go, does that really apply now? Like she's coming undone. She's not going to play college softball. Why are we doing this to her to prove this principle of we don't quit when we're in a pandemic? We're not allowing her to participate in the way that the coach is asking that she participate. We're making the coach do extra work. We're making Isla do extra work to prove to to do what you're talking about, to be rigid about this one principle. So we said, okay, that you're done. You don't have to do softball anymore this year. We would love it if you would find another sport or another club or another activity, even in the pandemic, that you can be involved in because they're they're so isolated. And that's one of the reasons she came to golf, because you can play golf without being close to anybody. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we were comfortable with her being on that golf team and going to that practice, even when we were still in the pandemic. But I thought to myself, Bert actually was the person who said, It wasn't me. It was Bert. Bert gets full credit. He said, I think we're trying to teach this at the wrong time. Mm. And I question, there are some really good things about that rule, but I also, the questions I have about it are, I think people, I think there's more of a danger of adults not quitting when they should than there is Mm. a danger of adults just quitting all of the time. Maybe that's less true of younger generations, but I certainly see people who ended up getting married to people they shouldn't have gotten married to because they didn't want to quit, staying at jobs they don't like because they don't want to quit, you know, just having lackluster lives because they committed to something. And so, like, I, there are certain things with my kids where I'm like, no, you, you're going to stick this out. But I also think the idea of, like, defining and redefining is really important and trying something and going, you know what, that's not good for, that's like, that's not my thing. I don't want to do that. And being like, well, good, good that you recognize that and moved on. Yes. I agree with you. I don't have, I, yes. Uh, not letting your principles completely rule your life and make your life rigid. Yeah. I think that mm-hmm. that was a lesson for, for all of us because, you know, a rule's a rule in our house. If the, you don't hit it, people, that's the rule. And if you hit somebody, you're in trouble. And you don't quit things that you sign up for. You don't let the people down that you've uh, agreed to be a part of this team. You don't let the coach down. You don't let the team down. It's not how it works. We, you know, we would make them play all four years. We'd make them finish sure. the season. Yeah. And then we reevaluate. But, yeah, I think you're right. It is, it is not, it, it's not the norm for what we did to happen, it wasn't the norm for us either. Yeah, I mean, we both, we all know I am the better parent here. But in that moment, <laughs> in that moment, he was definitely the better parent where he went, I think we're teaching the wrong, this is the wrong time to teach this lesson. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks where I went, 
you're absolutely right. This is the wrong time to teach this lesson. You're done. We're done. And sometimes, I mean, there's also just sometimes that there's competing principles because it's also true. Like I, I, in normal circumstances, I wouldn't let my kids quit most things mid season either. Like Kira was on a, um, street hockey team and the games, there were regularly too few players for the games. And there would be days that he was like, I just want to quit. And I'm like, you cannot because the games cannot continue without you. You can't do that to those people. But, um, but sometimes there are like, this was a time when there was just a competing principle, like safety and, and personal feelings of safety are also really important. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. If, if someone's on a, on a team and they're not taken care of, then that's something to, to think about, you know, maybe transition to a different club team or something or take a break, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, ladies, I have to take my daughter to get her senior portraits. Oh, Oh my gosh, you have to send one to me. I'm so excited. Oh, I cannot believe. Do people believe. still send them out? Do they still get sent in the mail? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like supposed to send her 20 bucks. That's how that works. You don't have to send Georgia I'm anything. Gonna, but I'm send her no, you're sp- yes, you have to send out an announcement. We're getting her her shrug or whatever that thing's called uh, and, and a cap and gown today. So she's hair and makeup's coming over in a couple minutes. Oh, that's so then, awesome. With the Cleopatra eye makeup that she does on the reg. I'm like, I'm, I'm hiring a professional for this. Uh, <laughs> she got her hair done on Tuesday. And I was like, please, please keep in mind that you are getting your senior portraits. I was so busy. I couldn't go with her to the hair appointment. I was so busy with this house and her hair is really, really red which is not even close to a natural color red. (laughs) It's not fire engine, but it ain't nobody on this planet got this hair. Ain't nobody got this hair on this planet. And I'm like, so her dad today was, this morning I was like, so today's the day we get senior portraits today. And he goes, with that hair? And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? Shave her head? I can't. I mean, I asked the hairdresser, please make sure this is something that is appropriate. Because again, I was trying to give her her own choices, her own life, not be the oppressive mom that comes to the hair appointment and goes, you can't have that red hair. Is this what she wanted? Or was it a mistake? No, she she loves it. She is so happy with her hair. She thinks it is fantastic. And I trusted my hairdresser, Romy. And he totally <laughs> failed me. He failed me. He did a great job. I mean, it the, it like works with her skin. It doesn't like make her look dead. She doesn't look goth. But it is definitely not a hair color that exists in nature. Leanne, you're going to be so happy in the future that this happened. Like Why? Years from now, you're going to look at those pictures and laugh so hard. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right, which I'm actually really... Uh, I am actually more okay with it than I think my husband is. Um, but what are you going to do? So okay, yeah. I, I, wa- I was looking forward to a nice long chat with you guys because we booked this so long ago. But this was the only day and appointment I could get for her to meet her deadline for getting it in the yearbook, which is so early. I think my senior yeah. portraits were like in September, October. Um, but oh, um, wow. before we go, can I pitch our program? 
Yes, I was going to ask you, please. Oh, yay. Do you want to do it, Kristen, or should I? <laughs> you Kristen seem like you're in the mood. The I think you Kristen, should do it. <laughs> Kristen doesn't know the URL either. She's like, uh. I can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we have a parenting program. For those of you who don't know, it's called Resilience-Based Parenting. And it's really specifically for parents of teens and tweens um, who oftentimes say that those years are awful. And so our goal with the program was to make the teen and tween years something that you really, really love, that you love parenting teens and tweens. And we have freebies for um, viewers of Wife of the Party. And we have a discount on the program. So it's at www.mcdermottmethod.com slash W-O-T-P. And McDermott is like Kristen's last name, which is M-A-C-D-E-R-M-O-T-T. There we go. There we go. And I am not up to date, but when I, I, this is what I do. I love this program. I've talked about it with you before. I think it is so great because it is spoon fed in tiny bites. And then you, you have how many principles? Is it seven? And there's 10 pillars. 10, 10 pillars. Yeah. And then they, so you go through the 10 and then they kind of repeat in a deeper way and tie in to the first round. So if you go through first round of 10, then the second round of 10 is still the same 10. It's just a bit deeper and wider and broader, and they all tie together. So I they're only like seven minutes, 10 minutes, something. Audios really. too, not videos even. It's all so you audio. Can just I wake up, <laughs> turn off my alarm to my house, and push play and listen before I get up. That's what I've been doing. Now, I haven't been doing it all the time because sometimes I have to hit the ground running and I'm like, I don't have time. I don't have seven minutes. I got to go. But when <laughs> I do, it's so nice because I feel like it sets my day off, not even just about parenting. Uh, it sets my day in a mindful way where I'm thinking about something. Um, mind, I'm mindful of some principle about not... I. I've said this before, I don't think it just applies to parenting. I think it applies to parenting yourself. Mm. It applies to your marriage, parenting that, because we do have to parent everything. You parent your business, you parent your friendships. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I've enjoyed it. I've signed up from the very beginning, I and I think it's an amazing program. So I'm glad. Thank you for offering my listeners some special stuff, too. Um and again, I'm ha happy to sponsor a scholarship. Um, I'm happy to, to do that. If you just let me know when to pay you and how, I will pay for your sc scholarship. Um, actually, I think I've been paying for two, haven't I? You have. You have been, yeah. Yeah, so, so let me do I two. So there's, also, there's a place just for your viewers on, on that website, on mcdermottmethod.com slash WOTP to apply for a scholarship. And so um, I don't think we have a wait list right now, which is... Um, no, I think we're great. good right now. So, We've used them all, but um, we're, we don't have anyone waiting. So, so someone please, can get one. Yeah. obviously, use the honor system when applying for it, um, <laughs> obviously. But, um, but yeah, Leanne, thank you for doing that. Yeah, oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to do that. I'm so happy to do that because I love, I, I, not to be schmoopy, I love you guys very much. Oh. And I'm super proud of this program and of who you are as people. So, and that you have so much to share and so much that people could learn from in such a simple, easy, digestible, applicable way. Uh, I think it's just brilliant. I'm happy. If I can help two people every quarter or whatever it is, that's a gift for me. It's not, if that's a gift for me, that makes me feel good. 
So and Leanne, you do. We have like, you know, we have some of your listeners on scholarship and they are like we get the sweetest emails we and feedback. Really do. And oh. part of the program, um, there's a there's an upgrade to office hours where you can have office hours with Kristen as part of the program. That's awesome. And I you know, it's just like it's changing relationships. So that's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And the reason you don't have a wait list is because we haven't podcasted in too long. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. been too That's long. True. We have our schedules haven't been working out. So we have to do it again. Maybe we should aim for like once every six weeks or something. I would or love once that. a month Fantastic. or whatever you want. Yeah. I would I would love it too because I always learn something when I talk to you guys. Always. I never podcast with you where I don't go away thinking about something all day or all week and try to apply it. So well, likewise, and you bring up such interesting things. Like now I'm like, oh, I have a kid who's a no first and maybe <laughs> yes first kid. It's always so interesting. You know, there's a bird in every bunch. There's a bird in every also bunch. Say, just to give you credit too, it's like I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately, really just on my own. But you're the way you just the way you talk and the way you keep the flow going and just what you bring. It's like you are really, really good at this. Like it's a pleasure to be on here with you because it's just we always cover good stuff and you keep it going and ask good questions. And it's just this is this is my favorite thing to do. So thank you. Thank you. That's just that makes me feel great. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I'll send you pictures of my cap and gown yes, red I hand. want to see the red <laughs> hair. I want to see it too. I have a good one to send you to of my son. He has a flock of seagull haircut and a bolo oh. tie on, and it's hilarious. So amazing. Get a chain on that. We should because Isla came back with pretty much Ziggy Stardust hairdo. <laughs> pretty much. Where she was like, I think I'm going to do like, uh, her hair's really long, like down the middle of her back. She was like, I think I'm going to do like a lot of short layers. And I went, okay. And she literally comes, she literally looks like she's like Ziggy Stardust. It just doesn't stick up so much. It's freaking rad. It looks amazing on her. But not many people could pull that haircut off. It's so cool. Oh, you have to send pictures. Oh, well, yeah. I know she's uh, anyway. Yeah, I got a super redhead and Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never go there without me again. <laughs> well, take care and let, let's do this again really soon. OK, and please yeah, send me, please. Jocelyn, how I can pay for two scholarships. OK, OK. I love you, Leanne. Love you. Love you guys. Leanne. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye. I think that we should give together.